Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome into the Joshua Perry Show here on Wednesday, June 26, 2019. I am Dave Biddle. This podcast is, of course, starring former Ohio State linebacker, national champion, captain, and NFL player, Joshua Perry. Joshua, welcome in. Great to talk to you as always. It's good to talk to you. Uh, doing it on a Wednesday, which is a little bit different, but we're doing it nonetheless. Um, been a fun past few days. Had my football camp uh last friday and that was an overwhelming success so we're happy about that and now it's on to uh on to trying to sell during the summer so yeah you got a lot of a lot of stuff going on as usual and now the midweek version of the joshua perry show and we're going to hear from the people a lot of listeners sent you questions so we have so many questions the entire show is going to be mr perry answering questions from the listeners um we'll start right at the top the first one that asked the question let's go in order um Spokane Brutus says, Joshua, these talking heads are predicting scum. Some people call them Michigan. Scum could sure. be better than, uh, than Ohio State once again. It seems like we have the same discussion every year. Are you drinking the scum Kool-Aid, or do you see them as a four-loss team? I've never in my life been drank that scum Kool-Aid, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, and so the reality of the situation is there's a lot of unknowns with Ohio State in terms of you know, what does this coaching staff actually look like? Um, how do these defensive adjustments play out? What does a, a young, new starting quarterback look like? But uh, Michigan's got questions of their own, uh, mostly pertaining to can they replace some of the, the firepower they lost on defense? Uh, what does their running back situation really look like? Um, how does this new offense for them look? Because they're trying to evolve out of that old school dinosaur of an offense. And then finally, can Harbaugh win the big game? So, if I'm a betting man, I'm probably betting on Ohio State just because they've had the upper hand. I think that the personnel is a little bit more polished at this point. Um, and I feel like, if nothing else, offensively, uh, we can be um, very explosive again this year. So uh, I'm not drinking that Kool-Aid. And I'm not going to sit here and say uh, Team Up North is going to be a four-loss team because I think they're a lot better than that. But I, I don't think that they're um, – they're going to win the Big Ten championship, although it's probably a two-man race in the East between Ohio State and Michigan. Next question comes from Mason01. Josh, did you ever host a recruit? What is the agenda when hosting one? Who's the wildest recruit you ever hosted? Did you ever share with the staff that maybe Ohio State should pass on the recruit? Those are kind of like four questions in one. Yeah, so um, I, I didn't actually end up hosting a ton because um, – part of hosting a recruit is taking them out on high street and doing that whole thing. And I was such a homebody. So uh, most of the time when they wanted to, to get me, it'd be in the meeting room where we talk about, you know, some of the other stuff that Ohio state does. 
does in terms of actually outside of the facility. Um, that really wasn't my deal. Uh, we, we've had some crazy visits. So I can remember when um, that, that 2013 class came in on their official. That was kind of crazy. Uh, just some of the personalities we already had on the team, some of those guys getting together. Um, it, that was a fun official visit. Um, and granted, we, I never told any of the coaches that, hey, maybe we shouldn't bring a guy in. But Coach Fickle would always ask us for our opinion. Like he was looking for one of his current players to tell him not to bring somebody in um, because he, he always felt like we could get a better feel for if the guys fit the culture than they could. So that was a very interesting question you asked. Recruiting such a weird game because, um, you know, you get with the coaches and everybody's gassing you up and they're all trying to act cool. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, they're, I mean, you know, they're a bunch of coaches, so they're kind of stiff and they're, they're really, no matter how cool they try to act, they're really not that cool. So the best way to get a feel for whether you want to be somewhere is, um, you know, is your coach going to develop you, but also do you get along with the players and fit in the culture? So um, Ohio State does it right by having the players spend a lot of time with recruits on visits. Next three questions come from the same man, Mark's G-Force. Mark's G-Force asks, how difficult is the new position the defensive coaches are calling the bullet? How different is it than the outside linebacker role when you played for the Bucks? Now, let me – I want to add something to that. Let me – maybe – how does it compare with what Darren Lee did? Um, so, I guess the biggest thing is that um, outside of third downs, we were almost always off the ball. I think there was one game uh, or maybe a couple of situations uh, – where we wouldn't be we played wisconsin and we went straight man to man so if you had a guy that was a tight end you could walk down the line of scrimmage and cover him and then uh we did the same thing one time against um uh michigan state we played in under defense instead of an over so um our overhang guy played on the line of scrimmage and we got out of that defense because it just wasn't what we did so um you know their guy might play a little bit on the line of scrimmage sometimes that's different I think just how we see the defense and uh, how our guys play coverage is completely different. So, I mean, there are a lot of differences. I wouldn't say it's more difficult, though. Um, it's just a matter of your comfort level of actually playing it. Uh, so to answer your question, um, the, the way that Darren played, he was essentially an overhang player, but he played off the ball. So he would have to cover out in space, and he might end up being on number two receiver uh, that he has to carry in a certain situation. It was never jamming a guy right on the line of scrimmage or standing over a guy and having to drop from that drop angle. And then to answer the other questions, I don't think it's uh, any more or any less difficult than what we did. It's just a different way of playing it. His next question is, are you surprised at how well Ryan Day is recruiting? No, not at all. And it's really interesting. Um, you know, and I get it because Urban was one of the best recruiters the game has ever seen. So I understand where people's concern would come from, but um, Urban also had the best recruiters on his staff always. Like, you know, without throwing shade at anybody, we had some coaches that were only worth their paycheck because they knew how to recruit great players. They weren't the greatest at developing or coaching or scheme or whatever, which is perfectly fine, but they always got the best players and at least gave them a chance. And, you know, after three or four years, those guys became who, are they, who they were supposed to be. Um, so in saying that, absolutely not, because Ryan Day was one of those guys. And he went out, he recruited some great quarterbacks uh, while he was a position coach. Um, he was also like the number 10 recruiter one of the years 
um, that he was a position coach for Urban Meyer. So um, he's he's done a really good job. It's not a surprise to me. And then you think about the way he put together his staff. Halfley, I know he's coming from the NFL. Cool-ass dude. Um, coach Washington, cool-ass dude. Uh, coach Hartline, cool-ass dude. Tony Alford's known how to recruit. Like, he, he put together his staff as well that does the things right way. And then um, the culture that they're, they're building, too, in terms of, um, you know, what they're doing with the players and, um, you know, how they're getting to enjoy a new aspect of the program um, in terms of the recruiting pitches that they have and what Columbus can offer and in terms of some of the updates to the facility. I mean, you know, that makes the job a lot easier, but I'm not surprised. His last question, I like this one a lot. Um, I'm curious about this, too. As a former player, do you get as amped up watching an Ohio State game as the typical emotionally crazed Buckeye fan? Do you ever yell at certain players for a boneheaded play? Do you watch on the big screen at home or in the stadium? Uh, I So, I do. I get as excited as anybody else does. But I feel like I watch it a little bit more rationally because I know what's going on. I understand how the game works. The game is controlled chaos. Uh, you know, guys practice all weekend. You guys, oh, you know, how could you not get that? You practice it. You've probably seen it before. Yeah, but the way that the scout team runs it is not the way that they run it in the game. It's not as crisp. It's not as fast. You can't get the exact splits down. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, they coach and they game plan too. So maybe they run um, a look that we were expecting. And every time we'd see it on film, they lined up the receiver inside the numbers so you knew the crack block was coming. Instead of, instead of doing that, now they're motioning the receiver down. They're keeping the split the same. So, it's, I mean, it's different stuff like that, which, you know, it lets me be a little bit more rational. But at the same time, like, you know, I, I see some missed tackles out there and I'm, you know, I'm dog cussing at the TV. Uh, preference is to watch it somewhere where I have um, replay or a bigger screen. Um, I do enjoy going into the stadium, just, you know, feeling the game as it goes. But, yeah, dude, I mean, we're – we're former players, but daggone, I mean, a lot of us are fans at heart, too, so we watch it just the same. Absolutely. Um, I love it. All right, next question comes from Byers. This is another good one. Um, this is just kind of an all-encompassing question, one that every Buckeye fan wants to know about, even probably former players, including ones that are on the team like you. 2015, you guys are coming off a national championship. I'll just paraphrase here. Byers basically wants you to diagnose the whole 2015 offense and what went wrong and what you saw as far as with Ed Warner and Tim Beck, and schematics, and who they should have went with a quarterback, who you you guys should have went with a quarterback, with JT Barrett or Cardale Jones. Unpack all of that for me um, as, as concisely as you can, I guess. Yeah, I'll, I'll say the offense was a whole shit show. And, um, <laughs> and that's not to say – I mean, we were still good, but it's just like, damn, like, I mean, Tom Herman leaves, and it's just like all the air came out the tires. Like, I mean, what are we doing? And there was a lot going on. You had Braxton where, um, you know, we knew what was going on, but everybody's talking about him being quarterback. Is JT going to be quarterback? Is Cardale going to play quarterback? Um, to me, I don't think JT nor Cardale played their best football that year. So that makes it a lot tougher. I think both of them had played better at other times in their career. And partially because, you know, at any moment, either one of them could have been out of the game for the other person. So that, that messes with your head. But – uh, Tom Herman was a wizard when it came to game planning. And uh, I will say as well, Zach Smith did a great job as a game plan coach. Um, but when Tom left, I feel like we lost a lot of that direction. And what we lost most of all 
was uh, truly the the ability to to call and make adjustments in game. Like it felt like the games didn't flow as well from an offensive standpoint. Um, and you know, just an anecdote that I've heard. I don't know how much validity there is to it, but you know that 2015 season, you've got Ed Warner, and if anybody's listened to Zach Smith's podcast, he struggled. And we kind of all knew that, but jet, jet, um, jet, 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 jet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's he's on the headset struggling. So you know, Tim Beck's got to hop on there. Tim Beck uh, took a lot of flack, but he's got to hop on there and help Ed out. And then of course Zach's calling third down in uh, red zone, so he's got to hop on there and help out. And then Urban has the final say in what's going on, so he's got to hop on there and help out. And so basically, the only people that you don't have hopping on that headset. Uh, I believe Tim Hinton was the tight end coach, and then Tony Alford was the running backs coach. But you've got four voices on the damn headset, and it's really, 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 really hard, really hard to call a game that flows when you've got that many voices on the headset. So um, that was a tough thing there. And then, you know, the one game that we gave up, Michigan State, that offense that we ran that game was hot garbage. But if you look at that defense – we were getting bled all over the field. And it wasn't like they were ripping off 70-yard runs because the guy's missing a gap or he missed a tackle. It was like they'd mush us for four yards when they needed three, and we couldn't get off the damn field. Or it'd be third and seven, and somebody jumps off sides, and now it's third and two. And it's like, it, I mean, it, that, it was just bad. And so everything happened that could go wrong happened at once during that game. And so, you know. We're, we're trying through the season. We're making it. The offense is all right. Defense is making some plays. Defense is all right. The offense is making some plays. And then it all comes to a head at that Michigan State game. So I think there was a lot going on there. Um, you know, and if there's one season I think we all want back, it'd be that one. We're going to have to do a whole show just on that. I mean, we could do it. We will. We're going to do a whole The Joshua Perry show on just that, uh, uh, you know. And we won't just do a show just based on bad stuff. We'll also do a show just talking about the 2014 team you know, at some point and one of the most amazing runs we've seen. Um, for the sake of time, um, might skip over a couple of the questions, but we'll make sure we get to it on a future episode. But um, Joshua's got to sell some homes here in Columbus, so for the sake of time, I might uh, skip a couple of questions here. But the next one I want to get to here, this is another great question. This comes from Zeke Tolliver. Joshua, you probably answered this question a thousand times. But what is your take on what the staff could have done to shore up the Buckeyes defense last season and any ideas on what we should expect from the new defensive coaching staff this year? Lord Jesus. So, um, I mean, there's there's a lot of things you could have done. And it's easy to sit here and evaluate, uh, number one, when it's not my goddamn job. And number two, when I've had a full season body of work to analyze and, and piss and moan about. But um, basically it comes down to running a simple defense – where you let athletes be athletes. Um, you know, it's I'm, I'm about to get real vulgar here, but Luke Fickle, one of his favorite lines was let the fuckers fuck. And so, you know, like you just let people do what they do instead of trying to complicate everything. Um, and so that's that that I feel like that is where uh, the the wheels kind of fell off last year. You had too many moving pieces and you're walking linebackers down and you got, you know, if you if you watch a game, and you see a safety lined up on the line of scrimmage in third down, and then you see motion, and you see that safety that was lined up on the line of scrimmage drop uh, 15 yards to the deep middle, and you see the safety that was in the deep middle come down to the line of scrimmage 15 yards, that's a bad situation. 
because that's already too much movement, and that's what we saw last year. And now you flip it to this year, it's simple. It is so simple. Guys get lined up. They just play ball. They know it hurts them. Um, they call it specials, but, um, you know, when you four verts hurts three deep because there's three deep zones, obviously. That fourth vertical, that's two people for uh, – or that's uh, four people for three deep zones, so you need an extra guy. The special is what they call it, but that's when a linebacker has to drop and they have to carry that fourth vertical. That hurts them. Seven cuts and um, on the buzz dropper, that hurts them because it's in between the deep zone. It's in between the flat drop, so you've got to roll with that. Three through the zone for the flat dropper. I mean, like, it's that simple. It's like three or four things that hurt you, and then you play ball and make adjustments from there, and that's what you like about this year. All I'm going to say, it's easy to see, really easy to see why you guys loved Luke Pickle so much. Yeah, and, um, you know, we we played a different defense, uh, but we played it simple, and then Coach always had his little fun coaching cues like that. And that was, you know, you let the big guys do what they do down there. You let us make tackles, run free, keep it simple, play in front of you, like, like play ball. I love it. I love it. Um, all right, final few questions here. These come from Jamie Mack. Other than that team up north, what team did you hate the most, Joshua? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, probably Michigan State because we lost four games while I was at Ohio State and we lost two of those four to a Michigan State team. That was 2013 Big Ten Championship and then 2015 Senior Night in the Shoe. So uh, I ain't got no love for them boys. That's crazy. <laughs> Isn't it? It's just it's amazing that you go through a four-year career and lose four games, and then two of them were to Michigan State. That leads into the next question here. What made Michigan State so hard to play against while you were there? I don't know. I feel like both times we got tight in ways. Because, um, I mean, when you look at – I believe it was 2014, we went to East Lansing. We beat the brakes off of them. Um, you know, my freshman year was a close game, but we had a ton of close games that year. Uh, and when you look at 2013 – basically came down to a defense that really wasn't good the whole year. Um, and, you know, we didn't get enough stops. And then, a, a, you know, a third or what was that, a fourth down call? Yeah. Um, where, you know, you probably need to hand the ball. Like, period. And so that's Perfect. what it comes down to there. Um, and then when you look at 2015, like I said, it's just a million things. Plus, Connor Cook was out that game. We were expecting a damn statue sitting back there trying to throw the ball, and then we get a running quarterback, and it just it hurts your game plan because now you're trying to make adjustments to get the numbers right. Um, you know, they, they've got – I mean, what you want is basically anytime uh, you have um, – anytime you play it straight up, the quarterback's not a runner. Basically, they can, you know – they block the guys. There's somebody who's going to make a tackle. you got a couple people who can run. And defense, you always want to have the numbers. The offense adds the quarterback in, and it equalizes everything. You get your one-on-one matchup. You say, we got a better athlete at quarterback than X, Y, or Z, whoever's unblocked. So we we were fighting numbers. It's it's a whole thing, but, I mean, they just really tripped us up, man. Yeah, and that Big Ten title game, I'll never forget. I give Urban credit for, you know, just being a stand-up guy and saying afterwards that, yeah, you know, he, he called – Tom Herman wanted to run Carlos Hyde on that fourth down play. Urban vetoed it and ran Braxton. And Jeff Hireman, who was an excellent player, he actually missed a block on the missed play. Missed a block. Stuff happens, you know. But yeah. Urban, took, Urban took the blame for it for saying, hey, I vetoed Tom's call. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Urban, that's one thing I appreciated about him always is that um, he, was, he was critical 
so he could make us better. He applied pressure to us. But any situation like that, he would own it. Where, to me, I feel like there were so many things that went haywire in that game where, like, okay, one coaching decision, like, that's the one that we all think about and it stands out. But, like, there were so many player errors that game where he could have been like, I, I made one call. There were so many plays that were bad. And so you got to respect that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's great insight. All right, last question here. Again, another Michigan State question, but it goes into everything we've been talking about here because, you know, since you left, I mean, Michigan State's been in a state of decline. Um, it's another thing Jamie Mack points out. You know, is Michigan State in a, in a current state of decline? It sure seems like other programs such as Kentucky, even that team up north, have copied their strategy of getting the Ohio boys that Ohio State has passed on and are now getting a lot of the players that Sparty would have gotten in the past. So is Michigan State on a clear path of decline, in your opinion? Well, I'll say this, too. Cincinnati's getting a lot of those uh, Ohio players who aren't getting the Ohio State offer as well. So there's a lot of competition uh, for some very, very good players that you just you don't have enough numbers to get all of the good Ohio guys. Um, in saying that, I, I don't know whether it's recruiting or, you know, how long has Coach D'Antonio been there, like, that's the other thing you're fighting against too is when you've had a coach in one place for so long, I feel like things start to get maybe a little bit stale and that's not to knock him because I think he's one of the best coaches um, in the game. Everybody who's played for him has a ton of respect. I've played against him. I have a ton of respect for him, but you know, you, it's a legitimate question to ask, um, you know, do they need to, to, I don't know, mix things up, liven them up over there. Who knows? Uh, to me, you can never sleep on them because one thing that staff has done well is they've taken teams of largely three- and four-star guys and developed them and been able to compete with teams that have a lot of four- and five-star guys. So um, with that being said, their coaching staff does a fantastic job of working with the type of players that they get in there. It's just the fact that you need more four-star guys and three-star guys to compete at the level you want, and you need to sprinkle some five-stars in there, all that. Um, so we'll see what happens into the future. Um, but you know, if here's the deal, um, you know, if, if, if Michigan is down, then you need Michigan state and Penn state to be good. If, if Michigan stays down, you need Michigan and Penn state to be good along with Ohio state. And I think that the big 10 East is fine. And so as long as you've got three out of those four teams that are competing at a really high level, everything's kosher.
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.